Mac Power Users, Episode 62, Cutting the Cable. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. How are you, David? I'm great, and I'm looking forward to hearing you explain how you stick it to the man. <laughs> well, this this is an episode that's been about two years in the making, and I, I finally decided to make the switch and turn off my cable television subscription about three years, uh, three months ago, rather. Uh, and I have been very, very happy with that. So... Uh, we've gotten a lot of questions asking about this because I've been tweeting about my experiences. And I, I do want to preface this with um, a lot of what we're going to talk about in this show is, is going to be very U.S.-based because obviously that's where you and I are. Uh, but I think a lot of the ideas that we're talking about will work in other parts of the world as well. And, and I would ask that our listeners in overseas and abroad uh, write into us with their experiences and with information about how they've done this type of thing, too, so that we can add that to our to our feedback and follow-up section in future shows. Yeah, I yeah I wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot easier in other countries. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me because, like I said, it's it's taken me about about two years to figure this out and and come up with a uh, a solution that I'm happy with. But but hopefully, all the the planning and preparation that I've put into this and uh, can share through this show will will help others out there. Yeah, this show's a little different. Uh, five by five this week has been going a little crazy with the Apple TV. Everybody's covering it because of the Walter Isaacson book and the quote that Steve finally cracked it. Uh, we're not going to be talking about what we think is going to be the eventual Apple TV, or maybe we'll refer to it a little bit. But the real point of this show is saying Katie has now cut the cable cord. She's working without it. And how does she pull that off? Yeah, and and the current generation Apple TV is a part of, of, of that equation, but I got to admit it, it's a lot smaller part than I thought it would be when I started this process. I'm so the wrong person to be doing the show with you. I'm just not a TV guy. You know, yeah. I love my Apple TV. I probably watch more of that than I do anything else. Well, you know, then I think that might make you an ideal candidate for someone who could cut the cable and save some money. Uh, there's other reasons why, and we'll talk about it as we get through it. Yeah. We'll talk about those problems. So I guess that brings us to to the first question is, is why would you do this? Why would you decide to, to kind of go off the grid and, and cut the cable? Because I got to tell you, when, when I, a couple of years ago, this was, this was still kind of a, an out there topic, you know, pe- people who didn't have a cable subscription or even people who didn't have a TV or those, those people are kind of weird. What, you know, what's up over there, you know? Yeah, Sure. I mean, you know, there's a lot of guys that don't have TVs uh, in my neighborhood because they're really uptight parents and they don't let their kids watch it. So they just don't have one in the house. Hey, all I can say is here's to the crazy ones. Yeah. Um, But for me, it it really came down to not solely a price decision, but that was part of it. But I, I was just fed up with the cable company. About two years ago, when I moved back to this area... I, I got what I thought was a pretty good deal. You know, 99 bucks, you got your cable, you got your TV, you got your internet. That was this everyday price, not some, you know, short-term deal. And two years later, for the exact same service, I'm now paying 150 bucks. And, you know, that's a pretty big high, you know, price hike uh, over a two-year period of time. And I really felt like I, I wasn't getting that much value for my money. Yeah, and, it's 1,800 bucks a year. That's uh, so a lot of money. Spending. And the more I thought about it, the more I looked at it, 
most of the content that I watch is on network television anyway. Shows that were on ABC, CBS, uh, Fox, NBC that are available now in my area free over the air. So when you looked at the number of shows that I was actually watching that were provided to me exclusively by the cable company, it was a pretty high cost per show. You know, a good $75 of my bill was made up just of cable. Don't they stick it to you, though, when you cancel cable TV and just buy the Internet from them? Yeah, and that was actually one of the problems that that I'll talk about in in my problem section that I that I had to get around. And one of the ways that I got around that is I continued to bundle with them by keeping my my phone service with them. So I was still technically a bundle. All right, I want to hear about that. Yeah, and then you know the other thing is I just David, I felt like I was watching too much TV. You know, it's it's easy to waste a weekend in front of the TV, and and really you're not doing anything important. You haven't accomplished anything, and I I just. I felt like I had much more important things that I wanted to do with my time. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've all been there. You've got more commitments and less time. And, you know, I didn't want to spend the little free time that I had sitting in front of the TV. So. And that's where I'm fortunate because TV doesn't draw me much. My, my kids and my wife went out of town for a week this year. And when they got back, my youngest daughter comes to me and says, dad, you didn't watch any TV while we were gone. And I said, how did you know that? And she said, well, I got home and turned on the TV, and it was still on the Disney Channel. I just, I just never bothered to turn the TV on while they were gone. Well, either busy. that, or you do have a secret life watching the Disney Channel. Oh yeah, I love Hannah Montana. Right, I know. Right. So that was part of it for me. Is I just, I just wanted to watch less TV, and I thought, you know, this is a good way to kind of force myself to do it. And to some degree, that's been successful. You know, I've got a new house, I've got responsibilities, I've got this yard now that I've got to take care of. So. You know, I just get out more and, and, and do better things with my time. So, All right. But you did it. I did it. Yes. Yeah. It, it took me a while, but I finally got there. Okay. So how do you go about doing that? Well, the first thing that I did is uh, I had to do, I had to start with some research. Uh, and there's a great website for uh, those of you who are based in the United States called antennaweb.org. And we'll put a link to all of this uh, in the show notes. And what you do is you put in the location of your house in antennaweb.org, and it will show you a list of all of the channels that it thinks you'll be able to get in your area and information with um, what frequency those are on, the distance that they are away from you, and what kind of equipment you'll need to pick up those channels. So that was my first my first stop. Makes sense. And I found out that, yes, indeed, I was able to get all of my my network TV shows, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and a couple of PBS affiliates by getting a, a pretty standard antenna. And it looked like everything was within 50 miles or less of me. So I should be able to pick it up. So you ordered an antenna and then what did you crawl on your roof? <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't crawl on my roof, but I, I still had some, some additional research that I wanted to do because not everything was, was necessarily, on those, those network TV channels. So the other thing that was important for me is I, I tracked my viewing habits. I'm a big TiVo fan. So I went through and I looked at my TiVo season pass list. So I started looking at, you know, what are the shows that I'm watching? What are the shows that I'm recording? What of those can I pick up with this antenna now that I know kind of what shows I'm going to be able to get? What are those shows am I going to have to go out and get other uh, elsewhere? Because some of the shows I watch, there are a couple of shows that I watch on, you know, USA Network or TNT and I knew that I wasn't going to pick up those. So 
what are the alternate sources that I can go to get those and what price? So for example, I, I found out that the three other shows that I watch that aren't on network TV channels are available on iTunes and I can get season passes to those for, you know, 25 bucks a pop. So 75 bucks for the year and, and I'm done and I've got all those shows. So basically for the cost of one month of cable, I've got all the shows that I wanted to watch. So that makes sense. Now, if I couldn't find all those shows, you know, then it, then it may or may not make a make sense to do what I wanted to do. Okay. And then I also looked at alternate providers. You know, is, is there a more cost-effective plan that's worth me switching to rather than, you know, go crazy and cutting the cable altogether? In my area, I was pretty limited because we had one cable company. There's always satellite, but but I was very limited by the internet service providers. It was either cable or DSL. Yeah, and doesn't it seem like going to satellite is just the same thing as cable? What's Without the, the local channels. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I started laying all that off, and then I have to figure out, okay, what am I going to have to buy to get started, and how much is this going to cost me? Because the idea behind this is I want to save money, so I don't want to have to go out and buy, you know, hundreds of dollars worth of equipment and installs. Maybe I find out this works. Maybe it doesn't. All right. So what did you do? Well, the the first thing I did is I, I decided, okay, I needed to go buy an antenna. So I, I searched the web a little bit. And I found an antenna over at one of my favorite shops, monoprice.com. Do you order much from them? They're awesome. Oh, I love monoprice. For cables, for instance, if you just need any, I mean, just as an aside, and they're not a sponsor, but if you need cables, they're a fraction of the price and they're good quality. So I, I found this antenna over on monoprice, and I'll put a link in the show notes. And uh, before I bought it, I, I chatted with their um, their online support, and I told the guy what I wanted to do. And they had a couple of different antennas available, and he said, no, this this is the one you want. So the one that I, I bought from them, it's just called their HGTV or HDTV, indoor-outdoor antenna with low-noise low amplifier. It's $20.46. Big initial startup cost for me. <laughs> okay. 20 bucks yeah. plus shipping. This is a pretty basic antenna. It's about the size, you know, circumference-wise, I guess, of a basketball, maybe, to give you an idea of size. It's not the prettiest antenna in the world. You know, it's it's white with, you know, some wires that are, are sticking off of it. Um, but it works. And it's it, it's designed specifically for the new digital broadcast. Yeah, it looks very 1970s Radio Shack, I'm just saying. Well, and, and they had another one that I probably... It's a little more aesthetically pleasing that that I probably should have tried first. But when I was chatting with the guy on Monoprice, he said, you know, based on our research, people tend to be happier with this antenna in terms of its performance compared to the one that's a little more aesthetically pleasing. So we'll see. Well, it worked for you, though, right? Well, it did. Um, And my initial thought was I'm going to put this antenna in the attic. So who really cares what it looks like? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, the, yeah, it was one of the problems I, I, I ran into is I ended up not putting the antenna in the attic. So it's, it's sitting up in the corner of a guest bedroom. So I, I've kind of got this little 1970s wire thing in the corner, but I mean, it looks like a, a coat hanger. Maybe you should hang a coat on it. Would that affect it? <laughs> I think it would affect it. Yeah. yeah too bad. Hey, too let's bad. talk about our first sponsor before we go on. Okay. Uh, yeah, Smile software has this app text expander. And you know, we've been talking about it for a long time, but it just never ceases to amaze me how useful this app is. I use it every day. I, the other day, someone was asking me to put in my firm's address, and my secretary was looking over my shoulder, and 
I just went WKADD. That's my snippet for the firm address. And it just like blew her mind. She, she how did you do that? I'm like, oh. so, so I started showing her text expander. It's just an amazing app. So what it does is you type in a few key, um, keystrokes, you know, a, a magic incantation, and then it expands to whatever you've got it doing. You can have it fill something just like an address, or you could have it fill in a 15 page proposal. Uh, one of the uses I used it for when I was writing the iPad at work book was I got tired of spending money on all these apps. Uh, it was really expensive because I was buying these apps to try out for the book. And some of them I started asking for promotional codes on. And I created a snippet that wrote and explained what I was doing. And it had a blank in it for the name of the app and where I saw it would fit. And I started using that when I'd send an email out. So I'd do the expansion and then Text Expander would prompt me to fill in those two blanks, and it would prepare the email for me. Just a, an amazing app. Almost feels a little like cheating, doesn't it? It's great. You can find more information about Text Expander and all the great software that Smile offers over at their website, smilesoftware.com. So you got the antenna. What did you do next? All right. So I, I got the antenna, and my initial idea, like I said, was I was going to put this antenna up in my attic, and it wasn't a big deal that it was kind of ugly because nobody was ever going to see it. And I, I guess maybe I should I should back up and, and tell you a little bit about my my setup and my configuration because it explains how the antenna fits into this. One of the things that I did when I built this new house is I, I had it all wired up for cable, for Ethernet, um, and everything goes back to a, a central box. And, and the box actually, everything comes together in my laundry room. So it's like a big box that from the outside looks like a breaker box, but you open it up and it's got all of my cable drops are in there. All of my phone drops are in there. All of my ethernet drops are in there. So all of the cable outlets in all of the rooms in my house terminate there. So my initial idea, Oh, and then the, the, the main cable outlet that comes in from the street comes in up through the attic and then comes down into that box, into the, the main feed. And then of course it, it splits off into there, but first it splits into my modem because I have a cable modem and then it splits off from there. Um, so my, my main idea was I was going to mount this antenna up in my attic and then drop a line straight down into that box to, to use as the, the, a, a new feed to feed all the TVs in my house, because it was important to me that I didn't want to have to have multiple antennas to multiple TVs. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I, you know, the antenna came and I, you know, took a little trek up into the attic and I found out that my builder did a really, really good job of putting insulation up in my attic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it wasn't quite as easy to get to where I wanted to be as I thought it was going to be. Um, and I wasn't real comfortable doing that particular install myself. And uh, at this point, I wasn't, I hadn't installed anything and I wasn't convinced it was going to work yet. So, I decided before I start, you know, rummaging through the attics and, and dropping cables that I, I wanted to test this to see if it worked with the idea that if I really liked it, I could, I could always bring back a, a professional guy to, to run the cable for me because it was a little out of my comfort area. Okay. So you stuck it in the guest room. Yeah. So what I did, so I've got all these cables that go back to the central box. So what I did is I stuck this uh, antenna in my guest room where I didn't have a TV and I, I backfed it along that line back into this box. And with a little trial and error, I was able to identify all the cables and basically use that to, to backfeed into all the other TVs in my house. Did you label them as you found them out? Oh, of course. Yes. 
Good. They're all neatly labeled. All right. So then you get your antenna feeding the TVs throughout your house. Right. A little bit of trial and error in terms of, of positioning it. So you give the antenna the best shot, you position it. And because of antenna web, I know, I know the direction of the, the compass direction of where the antennas are. So I decide that I'm going to aim my antenna at the, the furthest one, which for me happens to be Fox with the idea of I, sh- I should be able to pick up the other. So a little trial and error. And I, you know, I have one problem getting one station to come in. So I, you know, reposition it takes three or four tries, but finally I, I run the auto setup on my TVs to, to scan for the an- new antenna input and boom, all of a sudden all my, my antennas are, my channels are showing up. I've got 10 channels total. So very happy. Just hypothetically, could you aim it away from Fox if you wanted? Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose you I'm could. I'm just but, saying. Yeah. But, but right now, by aiming it at Fox, which is my, the, the antenna that, or the, the broadcaster that is furthest away from me, I can, I can pick up the Fox signal and everybody else. Okay. So yeah. then you, so you get your TV. Yeah, I've got my TV. And what I didn't realize, or what I didn't expect, is that, you know, Antenna Web told me I'd get about five channels, which I knew, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, and the PBS affiliate here in town. But what I didn't realize is that those stations all have substations connected with them. You know, so for example, I've got about three PBS channels and the CBS channel has a a great little affiliate, the WB or whoever their subsidiary is. And one of the NBC channels has an affiliate that's called MeTV. It's called Memorable Television that runs old reruns of all the old shows like I Love Lucy and the original Star Trek and the Andy Griffith show and all those old, you know, kind of like Nick at Night type shows. Yeah. So that's a lot of fun. So I get all these these extra channels as well that I wasn't expecting. And then you've got your your content from the internet as well. Right. Now, what, what really makes this work for me is I've got a couple of TiVos. I've got one in my living room and one in my bedroom. And I have the, the TiVo HD version, which is the the previous generation, but but still supports HD content that that will accept uh, a feed from a digital antenna. And and the TiVo was actually helpful because it has a setting that will not only tell you, um, obviously you either have a channel or you don't, but it will tell you the signal strength of the antenna channel that you have. So that actually helped me a lot in, in positioning the antenna. I can just imagine you running back and forth between the house, move the antenna, then go and see what TiVo says, right? Uh, it was close enough that I just turned the volume up really loud on the TiVo because it, it had a pitch to it that it got more, it got higher pitched, the better the signal was. Okay. Yeah. So it was, it was clever. That's another thing. I've never used a TiVo. Oh, the TiVo is great because the, the TiVo is a DVR. Now I, I am, it. you it's know, the original like, DVR, right? It's the original DVR. And, and I'm never, I never watched live TV ever. And especially with only having 10 channels now, you know, there's not, not a whole lot on to watch live. For me, none of this would have worked without the TiVo. But the TiVo also has some other features, like it has, you know, Netflix and podcasts and Amazon downloads, and the newer ones have Hulu built in. So you not only get your antenna content, but you can get a whole lot more. But you have to have an internet connection to it to work. You do have to have an internet connection, yes. I, I still, I'm anxious to hear how you pull that off. Oh, you mean get get the cable and the internet together? Yeah, I've always got this idea in my head that you're going to call them up and say, well, I don't want the cable anymore, and 
but I do want the internet. And they're going to say, okay, well, we'll take $10 off your bill. Yeah. Oh, that was entertaining. Yeah, it was fun. Um, the, so the other devices that, that I have is I do have an Apple TV. Um, and because my, my life is an iTunes, you know, if, if I own the digital content, it is an iTunes and I use iTunes for iTunes movies and iTunes TV shows. And I think the Apple TV has got bar none, you know, the best Netflix interface of any. And of course it has access to all the iTunes podcasts. So, um, I do have a couple of Apple TVs that, that I use for access to all of my iTunes content and for Netflix and for podcasts. But of course, Apple TV can do more. It can do YouTube and things like that. They're both Apple TV twos. Yes, they're both Apple TV twos. Okay. The other thing I have is a, uh, a Sony Blu-ray player that I just bought. Uh, you know, it was one of these closeout specials for 49 bucks refurbished. And what I didn't realize at the time is not only does it play Blu-rays, but it also has Hulu plus, and access to a bunch of other features like Amazon and Amazon Prime streaming and Netflix and YouTube. So, you know, between these three devices, you know, I've pretty much got any content that I want. Or at least access to it. That works for you. It does. It does. Now, I, I additionally have a Mac Mini that is that is connected to the TV, but I primarily use it as a home server. I I can use it as a as a means if I need to go get content off of a website, but that's really not its intended use. I know a lot of people are really into that, having an Apple, a, a Mac mini connected to their TV and then they can surf the web and do email on their TV and all that stuff. That just has no appeal to me. I, I like the Apple TV. I think it's a great device yeah. uh, and it just seems to work for me. And I realize it's crippled in comparison to using a Mac mini, but for the way I watch TV, it's fine. I, you know, I like the, uh, I really like the Netflix on it. I went completely nuts on the MythBusters when I first got the Apple TV. I was watching that thing for like a week straight. Uh, but the, uh, you know, I just don't, you know, I understand people do that with a Mac Mini, but it, uh, like you, I don't really see that much use for it. With an iPad, an iPhone in my pocket, and a MacBook Air in the house, there's just not that much need for me to get on the internet with my TV. Yeah, really, the, the only reason I put the Mac Mini there connected to the TV is because if nothing else, the TV just, you know, I don't have to have it set up somewhere else connected to a display. Yeah, that makes sense. And we, uh, we've we talked about doing a server show, so we may hold that one. Yeah, it's 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 an idea. You know, I've, I've got to get, get used to using this more. But um, but that's that's what I have in my house. Now, there are obviously other devices that you can use that, that we'll talk about more a little bit later. But but to get back to your cable question of how this worked, you know, this this was a problem because I had this, you know, this triple play bundle from the cable company that include, you know, basic cable, high speed Internet and basic local phone service. So, um, yeah, dealing with the cable company was was quite a problem. So I called them up. Um, you know, I hooked up the antenna. Like I said, at this point, I've invested twenty dollars. Um, everything I had already. I already had the TiVos. I already had the Apple TV. I already had the Blu-ray player. So my only investment was this $20 mono price antenna and about an hour of my time one, one Saturday morning to screw it into the wall and, you know, get it positioned and find out that it worked. So I called the cable company after living with this for a couple of days and, and making sure that it worked. And, uh, yeah, that was a good 45 minute conversation and 45 minutes of my life. I'll never get back. Okay. So what, what did they say to you? Well, the first thing that they said to me um, is they said that they were deeply concerned about me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. Um, because, you know, with without my cable TV, I, I wasn't going to be able to access 
my my news or or my weather um and and after all this this was hurricane season and that could be dangerous okay well yes. i'm glad they were concerned about your safety they were they were very concerned about my safety um the second thing they did um is is they explained to me that i wasn't using my my cable subscription to its full potential so that if i paid them an additional 40 dollars a month that i could get a whole lot more value out of it okay so just pay 190 a month that's all yeah that's okay. it yeah, so that was option one and two. And when I said, no, 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 I, you, you don't understand. I, I really want to cancel. Um, then she said, well, okay, but your bill's not really going to go down. It was basically the, the fear that you had, David. Okay. So um, was, and it was, you was, know, was it going to go down at all or was it, it going to go up maybe? No, it was going to go down. But they said, you know, by unbundling, you're, you're going to lose your bundle discount. And, you know, the fee for your internet's going to go up and the fee for your phone's going to go up. And I had I had armed myself before because I was expecting this with with information, and uh, I was paying pretty close to market price for their phone and for their internet bundles. So it it shouldn't go up that much. In fact, and they were selling, you know, just phone and internet bundles, which is what I would have liked to have switched to, is you know, just a a bundle of two as opposed to a bundle of three. But you know, of course, they wanted no part of that. So finally, I just got fed up with this person on the phone and and hung up with them and uh, ended up going down to the to the local shop, figuring I would have you know, better luck speaking to somebody in person. And in fact, I did. My my cable bill in total went down seventy five dollars. I did lose a ten dollar bundle discount, but besides that, my my phone and my internet price stayed the same, as they were broken out on my bill. Okay, so what are you, you were paying one hundred and fifty? What are you paying now? I was paying one hundred and fifty, and my bill now is about seventy five. Okay, so you cut it in half. You cut it in half. Same exact same telephone service, exact same cable internet service. And you have got all of the coverage that you wanted that you had before for the shows that you watch. For the most part, I mean, there are there are some things I miss, and and we can talk about some solutions that I found to that. The biggest thing that I miss probably is cable news because I am a bit of a news and politics junkie. So, of course, by cutting cable, you know, no CNN, no Fox, no MSNBC, you know, none of that type of stuff. Yeah, but so much of that is on the web and they stream video on their on their own websites now. Yeah, a lot of it is. Um, and also, I, I do like some of the specialty programming like HGTV. Okay. Yeah, so there's none of that. Well, let's talk about that. But first, let's uh, switch over to our second sponsor, 1Password. They're uh, now in the Mac App Store. It's a 64-bit app. Uh, they have got better compatibility with sandboxing, which is something a lot of Mac users are going to be hearing about in the coming months. Uh, I know I was worried about that with an app like 1Password. And they, uh, it's just a great app. You know, They've got excellent support. It's $50. Uh, and it's essentially a family license now when you buy it because you can install it on every Mac in your house. I had purchased a license for one password for myself and then I purchased one for my wife but I'd never purchased the family pack because I was doing this incrementally over the years well my daughter is now 15 and now she's starting to do things where she would need one passwords protection and by buying it in the Mac App Store now I was able to install it on her computer without having to buy an extra license which was kind of cool yeah. uh, but we did get uh, an interesting use case for one password in fact this is something I do I'm surprised I never explained it on the show before 
uh, from and, Beth. And uh, Beth wrote in with this tip, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, Beth. Beth did. And in fact, if anybody's listening has good tips for 1Password and the Smile products, let us know because it's always interesting to hear how people are using our sponsors' products. But she talked about the security questions that you get when you go to sign up for a website. And uh, I use those too. And I always like to make a point of making it completely nonsensical. You know, they'll say, who was your best friend growing up? And I'll say monkey bananas, seven, five, eight, two, three, you know, just random stuff. And so you've got these security questions and where do you keep them? Uh, she said, store them in one password. And that's a great point. The way I do it is I take a screenshot. Um, was it command shift four on the Mac? And I just shoot a screenshot of my nutty answers to the questions. And I just drop it into the one password file for that, website because one password will hold an image you could also do it as a text file if that made more sense and if you had the time or just wanted to type that stuff out but that's a great way to manage your security questions and it gives you the ability to use crazy security question answers uh, just like you use crazy passwords with one password it's a really good solution yeah that's a great tip. Uh, you can find more information about 1Password over at OnePassword.com, and we thank them for their continued support of the podcast. It's an excellent app. Go check it out if you haven't. Where are your rough spots with this transition? Well, we had a couple of rough spots. First I talked about was that I, I couldn't put the antenna in my first choice spot, which was the attic. And I'm not saying that I'm, I may not be able to do that in the future. Um, you know, I may, but it's, it's probably going to, for me, either require having some help, have someone come help me do that or, or hiring a professional. The other thing is about two weeks into it, I started noticing that I had, um, all of a sudden on a weekend, my, uh, my picture started getting fuzzy or not fuzzy because it's, it's digital now. It doesn't get fuzzy, but you get that, that pixelated, you know, uh, noise that we're all used to with, with, uh, digital images. Yes. And, um, I, I couldn't figure out for the life of me why, because I had this pristine picture, you know, for two weeks straight, no problem. And all of a sudden, uh, the picture was all pixelated and the sun was shining and life had been good. And, you know, Monday through Friday, it was great. But all of a sudden on Saturday morning, it, it started going fuzzy and was fuzzy all, all weekend long and could not figure out why. Um, and it took me all weekend and the solution was, was really bizarre, David, but I actually, because of the, the placement of the antenna, my Drobo also lives in that guest bedroom and it sits on top of a dresser. I put the Drobo in there because it's, the Drobo is a little bit noisy with all the, the hard drive spinning in there at any given time and the fans kicking up. So because it's a Drobo FS, I've got it on the network. So I stick it in the guest bedroom where it doesn't bother anybody and it doesn't, you know, kick up noise in the office when we're podcasting. And um, I guess something about the magnetic field maybe of the Drobo was uh, interfering with the antenna. And the reason I hadn't noticed it before is because I had just made some, I don't remember what it was, but I had just made some major changes and was doing a big archive job to the Drobo and the Drobo was just going, you know, all weekend long backing up to crash plant. And so the Drobo was active all weekend long. And I finally something, somehow I, I stopped it. I turned it off during my troubleshooting process and uh, the picture cleared up. And that was when it clicked on me that that's what it was. So I literally moving the Drobo about three feet has, has resolved that problem forever. <laughs> so, well, it's an antenna. So it's an that, antenna. Yeah. It just, it just took me, it, it just took me all weekend long to figure out, okay, what has changed, you know, in this equation. And it was just that I had 
you know, the Drobo was kicking up all week long. So, and so we all grew up, you know, you'd go and you'd grab the antenna and jiggle it and move it around to get the signal right. And we kind of forgot about that when cable TV showed up. Sounds yeah. like some of us may be going back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, ever since then, it's been fine. But, um, you know, for me, the rough spot has been, you know, trying to find um, alternatives for, for news programming specifically, because I am a bit of a news junkie and a little bit of a politics junkie, and I've, I've lost some of that. So the solutions that I've come up with for that have been um, uh, to, to download some of the, the news-related podcasts. CNN has a good group of, of news-related podcasts over on iTunes that I've been downloading and watching. Um, and, and they have a great iPad and iPhone app that I've been using. Um, my only problem with the CNN podcast is that when I started this, they used to have full video clips of their shows. So you could watch the full, you know, 45 minute, you know, program on the Apple TV a day later, but now they're only offering clips. So that, that's been problematic, but it, you know, I just, what I did instead is I switched to network news and it's, it's not as great, but it, it keeps me informed. What about, you know, using the airplay mirroring from your iPad? Some of those apps will stream that stuff and you can just stick it right up through the Apple TV. Um, I found that's been hit or miss. Um, well, first off, I have a first generation iPad, not an iPad two. Okay. And secondly, a lot of these apps require that you authenticate through your cable provider. So some of them just require that you have an account with your cable provider, and that will be enough to get you through the authentication. And some of them actually check to make sure that you have a, a subscription with the cable provider that includes the content that you're trying to access. See, it's just, for me, it would be so difficult because I, I've got my wife, then I've got a teenager, and then I've got a fourth grader. So, right. you know, at any one time, our TV cable box, we don't have a... Um, a um, I'm sorry, I don't even know the name of this thing. We don't have a TiVo. We don't have a TiVo, but we do have a DVR oh, on our okay. cable. But at any one time, it is populated with Disney Channel, um, you know, Project Runway, and Glee. You know, all that stuff. Okay. So if I did something that made it difficult for them to get access for them, I would have an absolute revolution on my hands. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about some of the common concerns that people have. I guess right. about about cutting the cable and some of the problems because. Because I'm I'm a unique case, you know. I I live alone, and all I have to worry about is me. So as long as I'm happy with the setup, everybody's happy, right? Yeah. You know, there's nobody else I have to worry about. But I get that that you have to please a house full of people, and you also have to have a solution that's easy enough and elegant enough that everybody can use. Because they don't want to be switching in and out and using media center PCs and and all of this other stuff just to make the TV work, right? You know, they want to turn it on and have it work. Yeah, I tell my wife she needs to switch the input, and she looks at me like I'm crazy. You right. know, she's not she's not a nerd like her husband. Right. She doesn't want to deal with that. Right. Um, so some of the common concerns area, um, you know, sports is a big one that I hear from a lot of people. You know, how do I watch my sports? Um, for me, that wasn't a huge deal because I'm I'm not a big sports fanatic. If I if I'm watching a sporting event, you know, or if there's really a sporting event that I absolutely must watch, for me, it's more of a social event, and I'm usually either going out with people or going over to somebody's house to watch it. So for me, that's not a big deal. Um, but there's a good life hacker article, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes that says that that goes through the options of how you can watch nearly any sports game online. Um, so I'll throw that in there. But for for NFL fans, 
There is the NFL Rewind, which you can have packages where you can watch shows or games after they've played. There's also the NFL on iTunes. Uh, For NBA plans, there's the NBA League Pass. Uh, For baseball fans, there's MLB TV. Not only that, there's the MLB app on the iPad and iPhone. Right, which which I think accesses that same content. Yeah, it's outstanding. I I purchased it this year and watched games. You know, it's great. Now, are those live games? Yeah. Yeah. Any game that's not in your home market. So uh, my family's originally from Massachusetts, so I grew up a Red Sox fan, and uh, it was a rough year. But either way, uh, we had – so growing up in California, it was really hard for me when I was a kid uh, to see a Red Sox game. I can only see it when they play the Angels, and quite often it was just listen to it on the radio. And so I was in hog heaven this year. I could watch any Red Sox game except when they came out to see the Angels. Right. Um, and then if you're a hockey fan, uh, the NHL has a has a game center as well. Now, a lot of those are pay for access, and a lot of them are you can't get them until the next day. Um, you know, So your mileage may vary. If you're the type of person that has to know immediately what's happening as it happens, that, that may not work for you. Um, but if you only follow a particular team or just want to be up to date so you can talk about it Monday morning, you know, this is something something that may work. You know, also keep in mind a lot of events are on network TV. So if you do have access to some of those channels over over the antenna, you're fine. I mean, for me, a lot of my teams are on the SEC. So the SEC is covered by CBS this year. So I really lucked out that, you know, the the few games that I want to watch for college football this year are all on CBS, which is a channel I get free over the air. Yeah. So that worked out for me. And then for kids, you know, what do you do? It's like we have the Disney Channel, and there's several channels that they really like, yeah, which are not going to be on an antenna. That's true. That's true. There's a lot of kids-based programming I found on Netflix and on Netflix streaming. You know, the only problem with that is it's not going to be the current most popular programming. And depending on the age of your kids, if you've got if you've got a younger child who just you know wants to be entertained that's probably going to be fine. You know, I've got nieces and nephews who are elementary age that, you know, don't care that they're watching, you know, something from two or three seasons ago on Netflix instant streaming, but probably in a unique age range, David, that, you know, kids your age are going to want to watch the most recent thing. Yeah. Um, But, you know, Glee, Glee is on Fox. Fox is available in a lot of areas free over the air. Yeah. But there's others. I I just, for me, it's not going to make sense. Uh, saving $75 a month, they'll spend that in iTunes, just downloading the shows that they want to see. Right. And that's, that's very important that you, you do that cost benefit analysis to make sure, because, you know, I, I would say it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make, certainly doesn't make sense if all you're going to do is break even. And I don't think it makes sense if all you're going to do is save 10, 15 or 20 bucks a month. You know, I think you've got to have a substantial savings to be willing to jump through these hoops. Yeah. And then you start adding things on, let's say you get Hulu. What's that? 10 bucks a month. I yeah. think it's a little bit cheaper now, but yeah, it's in that it's in that realm. I think it's seven or so bucks a month. And you add a Netflix streaming account, which is I believe eight bucks a month now. Right. And you start buying shows on iTunes. It it you know, the a la carte plan can get more expensive than a cable pretty quickly. It can. Um I will tell you that I have found easily eighty plus percent of my content is free over the air content. I I would imagine that I, I'm gonna end up spending I think less than 80 bucks a year on, on a la carte content. I think the majority of that being probably three USA shows and, that I really enjoy. And that also buy iTunes season passes too. 
And it also sounds to me like it's kind of changing your habits so you're not watching as much TV. Yeah, it is. And then in terms of alternative content sources, you know, there's there's Netflix CDs, there's Netflix instant streaming, neither of which I'm currently subscribed to, and I'm not finding any shortage of content to watch. We've got these uh, Redbox and Blockbuster Express, these these kiosks in the area that's like a buck a night for a DVD rental. And I've got two of those on my way home from work. So when I, you know, if there's a movie that I want to watch, I reserve it online in the morning and usually pick it up at one of these kiosks in the evening for a buck and return it the next day. And there you go. Yeah, I guess I, I don't know if I'm a curmudgeon, but I'm just getting so I don't really want to watch that much TV. Even when I yeah. find out there's a show that, you know, somebody was telling me the other day that I would really like um, some, some show called The Warehouse or something, I think. Warehouse. Right, on sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, they said, oh, you should watch that. You'd love it. And I'm like, you know, I may, but I'm still not going to watch it. <laughs> I just don't need the commitment, you know. <laughs> right. There's a couple shows I watch, but not really very many. And uh sounds to me like you're kind of heading that direction, too. I, I'm starting to get there, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm finding other sources of, of content that aren't TV-related. So if you wanted to get started on this, where would you start? Um, I, I think the first place that I would suggest that you start is with an analysis of your own habits and your household's habits in terms of what do you watch? Why do you watch it? And, and then once you figure out what you really watch, what you watch just because it's there and what you watch because you want to watch it, then you need to go out and find out where is that content for me, the no-brainer was the antenna. The antenna and the TiVo, for me, have made this possible. I, I would not have been able to do it if I didn't have all the networks available in my area and if I didn't have the TiVo. Um, and the TiVo is very expensive. I already had the TiVo, but I think if you were to go out and and buy a TiVo with either the lifetime service or just their monthly subscription, I'm not a fan of their new pricing policy. I think they give you the box now cheap, but then they, they charge you 20 bucks a month and and I'm grandfathered in on one of their old plans. So, but the TiVo's not cheap. Um, but thankfully for me, I already had them. So, um, for me, that was key: is being able to plug the antenna into my TiVo and find out that 80 plus percent of my content was available free, and it really wasn't going to change any of my viewing habits at all. And then for you know the rest of it, you know maybe the 15 to 20 percent that was not available free over the year that I couldn't just continue to plug into my TiVo. It was an evaluation of how much of that is really important, how much of that is worth me paying to go out and get, and what's it going to cost me. And, uh, you know, after doing that analysis, for me, I found out that this would really work. Yeah, it seems to me like you did this to save money, but it really seems to me like this is kind of a lifestyle change for you as well. Yeah, and it's it's one that I've been very happy with. And I've what, I, what I'm ultimately doing now is I'm, I'm making kind of the reverse decision. And I, I don't want to say that I did it solely to save money, although I, I will admit that, you know, that was a factor. I, I'm saving 80 bucks a month on cable and I've hired a lawn service. So there you go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, now I don't have to go out and work in the yard. So it's funny uh, how you justify that. I did the same thing when, it, when the first iPhone came out, I fired my gardener. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I need the exercise. And, you know, rather than spend $60 a month, I'm going to get a data plan. <laughs> Yeah. See, I got rid of my cable and I hired a lawn service. There you go. All right. Um, but for me, if I look at it from where I am now with what I have now, would I spend 75 bucks a month to get the couple of things that I don't have? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not worth 75 bucks a month for CNN. 
or, you know, whatever other news channel that I was watching when, when I compare it to whatever the alternatives are. Well, I think you're at the forefront of this and, uh, you're, you know, you're a pioneer. So I think there'll be many people coming behind you in the future. I'm just not sure how it all shakes out. A lot of smart people on five by five this week have been talking about what they think an Apple TV is going to be and what the future is of all this stuff. And I'll be the first to admit, I really have no clue. But I, I do like my my Apple TV, not the the Apple TV, my little box that plugs in for a hundred bucks. I enjoy Your little hockey puck, yeah. Yeah, I enjoy watching podcasts. Um I enjoy watching um some of the stuff on Netflix. And it really is a, a good source of entertainment for me. But I have no idea what Apple's up to and what they're gonna do. Yeah. And I guess my my advice to get started, two other products that we didn't mention that I'm sure we'll get feedback on. Um, one is the Roku. I looked very hard at the Roku boxes, and I like what I see from those. And I, I strongly recommend those to other people who are looking at um, at these types of setups who are not so entrenched in the iTunes lifestyle. Um, for me personally, a Roku didn't make sense because I get all the content that you can pretty much get on a Roku through you know, either my TiVo or my Blu-ray player or my Apple TV or the other sources that I have. But I really like that Roku box. I mean, for between 60 and 100 bucks, I, I don't think that you can beat the the content that's available on those Roku boxes. And, and so um, basically, basically what Roku does is it gives you more sources than an Apple TV does, but it doesn't play as nicely with iTunes. Right, right. So that's and that's so that's the inflection point. If you're on iTunes, go with the Apple TV. If you're not, go with Roku. Right. Um, the other thing that people have mentioned, if you truly want to go with a media center, is you can hook up one of the uh, the Elgato products to create a, a, a Mac Mini based DVR, like the Elgato ITV, uh, and to pipe an antenna through that. So that that is possible. You can do that. Um, I guess if you didn't have a TiVo and you already had a Mac Mini, that's that's something that you could you could you know might be worthwhile worth worth analyzing. For me, it just didn't make sense to go that route because I I really enjoy the TiVo and I already had the TiVo. So, and with that a setup like that, you could even dump the TV. You if you had like a nice twenty seven inch iMac, you could just use it as your television using the Elgato product. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're a single person or a college student, and you know you don't need to feed multiple TVs. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I think you could. And the other the other route that you could go is is using a game console or a game center to be like a media center. Um, I I don't do any gaming, so I didn't have any of those. I'm not a big fan of that. We've got the um, Xbox at our house, and the fan is really loud. The thing just makes a lot of noise. So, like watching Netflix on it, you can the noise of the machine actually takes away from the experience. It's so much better on the Apple TV. And then my last bit of advice is, you know, we, we tech people, we can, we can justify a lot and it's, it's very easy for us to get in the mode of saying, I'm going to cut cable. I'm going to save 75 bucks a year. So that gives me an excuse to go out and spend a thousand or $1,500 on new tech equipment, because that would be really fun to rewire my house and go buy all these other goodies. Yeah. That makes complete sense to me. That does make complete sense. Um, don't fall into that trap. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, the the investment that I put out was twenty bucks, yeah. but I had a lot of this stuff already. But don't don't spend a fortune trying to save this money when when you don't even know if it's going to work. Yeah. So. Well, I'm curious to see how this goes for you, Katie. As we go into the future, it probably will get easier. 
and uh, you'll have to keep us posted uh, on your end. I will. Absolutely. Hey, let's talk about our last sponsor. We have a new sponsor. Yeah, our our new sponsor that we'd like to welcome to Mac Power users is Byword, which is, I know, one of your favorite text editors and has quickly become one of my favorite text editors since you introduced me to it. I was so happy when these guys said they wanted to sponsor the podcast because I could just talk about Byword all day. So, uh, you know, my progression through word processors, you know, I used Microsoft Word for years and I never was really a big fan of it. Then uh, I got going on Scrivener, I don't know, four or five years ago, and I use Scrivener all the time. But I was unhappy with that medium place in, in between a major Scrivener project and just a simple writing project. So I was running around looking for stuff. We did a show on power text editing um, just on that subject because I was trying to figure out whether I needed BB edit or I needed TextMate. And I really settled on this ByWord app. It's 10 bucks in the Mac App Store, and it's just the perfect fit for me. I'm not coding on it. I'm writing. And this thing is made for writing. It looks beautiful. They fully support all the Mac OS X Lion, you know, auto resume, auto save, um, you know, you can duplicate. It gives you the full screen. It's very fast. It looks gorgeous and it supports uh, markdown and multi-markdown. Um, in fact, the markdown is so baked in that you can use your traditional tools. Like you could select uh, text and just hit command B and then it sets up the markdown syntax for command or when you start typing a list, it just automatically does the markdown preview. And the way they do it is they just dim it a little bit. So your words stand out and the markdown syntax kind of fades into the background. So it makes it very easy to proofread. Uh, I could just go on and on. This is a great app and they just keep getting better. Um, the developers are very interested in making this the best possible simple text editor on the Mac and they are well on their way. Yeah, and it is a gorgeous app. It's really a joy to to launch and to type, and it, it makes you want to write. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go over to the Mac App Store, take a look. You'll see there's a ton of, of just very positive ratings. It's got an average rating of five stars. I, I just don't think you can go wrong with this one. And uh, if you write much at all, go check out ByWord. And thanks for your support of Mac Power users. All right, we got some feedback to crank through. Yeah, we got quite a bit uh, of good feedback concerning Evernote. I um, One thing we heard from was Daniel Gold, who wrote his own book called Evernote, The Unofficial Guide to Capturing Everything and Getting Things Done. So he kind of took a GTD approach to using Evernote, which I thought was an interesting take. So I'm going to put a link for that book in the show notes if anybody wants to check it out. Right. Uh Rui contacted us with Evernote Alternatives and talked about our Going Paperless episode. And, you know, we recorded that episode a long time ago. That may be one that's that's ripe for revision. Um, but he mentioned um, to manage a lot of his paper products that he was using DevonThink on iOS because at the time uh, Evernote didn't have an iOS app. But of course, that that is available now. So DevonThink is another another alternative to look at. Yeah, and we heard from John who talked about um, the real benefit of Evernote for him is that he's on multi-platform, uses Windows at work, and it's just so seamless. And I get that. You know, we, we talked about that a little bit during the show, uh, but I think that if you are a multi-platform, you really need to look seriously at Evernote. Josh wrote in and talked about the Evernote search that is baked into Chrome that I guess I, we didn't talk about in the show and I didn't realize until you installed the Chrome extension. But um, if you install the Chrome extension, 
you can search Evernote when you search in Chrome. So when Chrome searches, it also searches your Evernote account as well. So that's a real time saver. And those guys at Google are always up to something. They're always searching your data. Yes. Um, we also heard from a 5x5 five five host, or I guess former host, Anthony Stauffer, who did the uh, the Mixdown show, which is now retired. But he talked about the advantage of Evernote for capture. And we did talk about this a little bit during the show, but he makes a good point that you know Evernote is just a, a great capture device, and he uses it all the time for that. Uh, George wrote in kind of echoing my warning and my concern about using Evernote to put sensitive information in the cloud. And, you know, that that is still a question, that is still a concern. Uh, and, you know, you're just going to have to make a determination on that for for yourself because Evernote does encrypt your data, but, you know, if you connect it to the Internet and you put it up there, it, you know, it is what it is. So um, I, I have made a decision that I don't put certain sensitive documents into Evernote. You know, putting my water bill up there is one thing, putting my taxes up there is another thing. So there are just certain things. If Basically, if it's got my credit card number, my social security number, it, it doesn't go in Evernote or in any cloud service for that matter. And we also heard from Rimberto, who was talking about our note-taking show. And we had talked about some of the great iPad apps you can use to take notes. And he says, how do I do that on a Mac? And uh, in particular, he wanted the, the ability to record while he took notes. And uh, the, you know, we, there's a couple solutions for that. Uh, you could go with a LiveScribe pin, which is not really a Mac, but it's uh, it does a very good job of taking notes and uh, indexing those to the recording. Uh, on the Mac, Omni Outliner has a record feature. So if you take notes in Omni Outliner, Omni is one of our sponsors, uh, you can hit the record button and record while you create the outline, uh, which is very nice. And Paranote also does that. And uh, Paranote, I believe, indexes the recording to the notes you're taking, which is a very nice feature. Yeah. And uh, Brent wrote in with just a few use cases for Evernote that I thought were interesting, one of which is to use Evernote for a names list. And I have this problem all the time. He says, if you ever forget someone's name that you run into occasionally, he suggests to keep a list of the folks that you run into every so often with a brief description of them. And it's great for people that you see at the gym or at church or at other casual gatherings um, so that you can look them up in Evernote. Uh, The other thing that he suggests is taking audio notes in Evernote which is great when you can't type something at that very moment. And his advice for getting started with Evernote is just start using it for one particular task that you need it for, see how it works, and branch out from there. And I think that's good advice in general. Yeah, yeah. The names thing I do with uh, NVAlt. I mean, uh, I just so much of this stuff is just text for me, which is why. NVAlt is your everything bucket. Yeah, it, it really is. But it's yeah. just text. And what I like about it is it syncs so fast. But uh, – I, I'm going to find a use for Evernote eventually. I'm gonna yeah. Well, you, you know, I was thinking about that. You, you do have an everything bucket. You said you don't know if an everything bucket fits in your life, but you do have one. It's just a text-based everything bucket. Yeah. Yeah, that's maybe it. And, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm making it more difficult for myself because I do have pictures and subfolders and things where if I had it all in Evernote, that might be easier. I don't know. We'll see. It might be. All right. So how do you get a hold of us? Well, you can find us at our website. That's at www.macpowerusers.com or at www.5by5.tv slash MPU. Uh, there you can find links to everything that we talked about in this show, as well as information on how you contact us and more information about the show. You can uh, also you can also send us feedback at uh, feedback at macpowerusers.com. And we're on Twitter. Uh, the show is at MacPowerUsers. I'm at Katie Floyd, and he's at Max Sparky. 
Yeah, and also I'd give a plug for our blogs. Uh, I'm at MacSparky.com. I write quite a bit there, and I like hearing from Mac Power Users users. I'm sorry, Mac Power Users listeners. <laughs> so if you haven't, check it out. And Katie, your blog is katiefloyd.me. So That's right. I recommend checking that out as well. Uh, we, of course, are on Facebook, facebook.com slash users. And we love iTunes comments. Thanks for keeping them coming. I was just bragging to someone recently. I said, we lost all of our comments when we switched over by 5 by 5 And our listeners have been so awesome that you know that, that database is building up again. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Very cool. So thank you to all of our sponsors, Smile, 1Password, ByWord, and Chrometa for supporting the show. And thanks also to our individual donors who support us each month. And if you don't know about that, you can find more information on that at our website at MacPowerUsers.com. Thanks, David.